This week on the Shane Free Life podcast radio show, we are going to have a candid fireside chat concerning the topic, living life without shame. Today is about the power of you. We can be whatever we dream. You're locked into another episode of 15 Minutes of Shame. Each week, we'll help you rebuild your life one brick at a time by addressing real life issues from a practical and biblical perspective. I had to believe in myself like never before. This is the Shame Free Radio Show. Finding solution to become the greatest. And now your host, minister, author, grief and trauma support specialist, Dr. Ronald Zion Rose. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Good evening, good morning, good night, wherever you are, coast to coast from around the globe. We are locked inside of another installment live inside the Shame Free Life studio. And I have a treat for you. I can't wait to get into it. But first, we are going to take a couple of commercial breaks. And I promise you, this is going to be an amazing show. So let's get right into it. Have you considered continuing your education? Or do you find yourself like so many, sidetracked by life, fear, or maybe even excuses? Well, I've come to tell you that there is absolutely no perfect time than right now. Time is ticking away. So get your degree today. Rehoboth International Bible College is an accredited university designed to meet your higher biblical education needs. Simply go to RehobothInternationalBibleCollege.com or call 866-235-0812 extension 0. You are an investment, so it is past time for you to reap the dividends. Rehoboth International Bible College. Have you ever felt alone and life is out of control? Perhaps like a sailboat at sea in the midst of a tsunami. Well, you're not alone. Here at the Shame Free Life LLC, we offer services in trauma recovery, crisis intervention, and empowerment coaching. We operate in integrity, confidentiality, empathy with coaching ethics. Contact us at theshamefreelife.com or email us at contact at theshamefreelife.com. You may not be responsible for your injury, but you are responsible for your healing. Let us help you rebuild your life one brick at a time because your life begins when you say so. Indeed, Shane Free Life family, your life does begin when you say so. And what better person to have inside of the Shane Free Life studio? I want to introduce to some and uh, just expound on for others. Uh, the in-studio guest happens to be Sarah Lanjanez. So she is an award-winning coach, writer, speaker, and shame healer. I really like that. 
Uh, she helps humans heal the areas of shame in their lives that prevent them from experiencing a greater, a greater uh, and richer quality of life that's possible. She worked with hundreds of individuals spanning seven different countries around the world, uh, spoken to audiences in Canada, the U.S., and Europe, and has led a, and facilitated retreats, gatherings, and workshops that help humans release guilt, shame, and experiences from the past that keep them in unwanted and disempowering circumstances. From working with, uh, speaking to and supporting hundreds of individuals who range in age from their 20s to their 60s and in various phases and stages in lives, Sarah witnessed a lo- the long-term damage and detrimental impacts that, uh, that, that the weight of shame can carry. And uh, I'm excited about uh, this particular broadcast because it really means so much to me as it relates to shame and, and how it paralyzes mm-hmm. um, many people. So, um, Sarah, I, I thank you so much for joining us. And let's just give you a round of applause <laughs> for having the audacity to step into step inside oh, the shame for life studio. Absolutely. Sarah, um, let, let's just start. This is a, a, a very interesting and um, expansive bio. Let's just talk about who is Sarah. And um, just mm. for those listeners who may not be familiar with your, your practice. Um, well, first off, thank you so much for having me, Ronald. I, I know we've, we've talked before just how excited I am to have this conversation with you. Um, but it's such an honor to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, and I got to get one of those little clapping machines every time I do <laughs> something that I'm proud of. Just say that in the background. That sounds good. Um, so, yes, but, uh, like you mentioned, my name is Sarah Lajeunesse. And, um, you know, I went through this exercise once where it was describe who you are, but without talking about your career. Um, because I think that you know, like a, kind of our, our status symbol in the world mm-hmm. and what we wrap our identity around. Um, I am a deeply inquisitive and curious human being. Um, I, I can remember, you know, for as long as I can remember in my life, I have gone through these somewhat um, existential periods or phases. I make a joke. I have like an existential crisis on a quarterly basis. Um, so, you know, three or four times a year. So I'm constantly in the space of, um, like what is the purpose of all of this and, and how can I contribute and steward my gifts, um, my capabilities, my fundamental power, um, who I'm here to be with the world and, and be in service in whatever way I can. Mm. Um, I am, uh, you're just talking about your dog before we jumped on. I'm a dog, um, mother. The little Woodle, our, our favorite pastimes, they're having our coffees in the morning, running along the beach, he chases birds. Um, I love these bookstores. I, I just, I love my quiet time and contemplation. Um, and yeah, the like you said, I help humans feel shame. And I think I, I learned at a not too young of an age, but um, a younger age that if I felt like I was not contributing to the upliftment of humanity in some way, um, life didn't feel like it had purpose for me. 
and so I very quickly, through my own suffering, my own pain, um, and the ways in which I learned how and was receptive to support from other people, um, learned how I wanted to give back and, and the mark that I wanted to make on the world. Uh, so I don't know if you're looking for my, my favorite color or, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. A, yeah I, I'm an existential person, Ronald. So <laughs> we go deep quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what we like here at, at the shame free life. I mean, just no holes yeah. barred, you know, you, you mentioned a couple mm. of things that, you know, especially in the bio, as far as uh, improving the quality of life, people, um, who are basically, mm-hmm. um, uh, in, in a emotional holding pattern, if we can use that type of vernacular, um, concerning, uh, trauma and shame. But let me ask you a question. What prompted you to specialize and coach in the area of guilt and shame when we oftentimes Mm -hmm. live in a society that wants to kind of just brush that under the rug and let's just move on with our lives? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, uh, as you would be aware, um, shame is not the sexiest of words. (laughs) <laughs> for the most enjoyable, you know, lighthearted conversation. Um, I, I don't know how many people are, are knocking down your door saying, you know, talk shame to me, Ronald. Um, but I I found that this was something that I avoided, even though I knew deep down this is the area that I needed to heal most in my life. And as a result, is the gift that I'm meant to give to others. And someone said to me once um, that the medicine that we most need is often the medicine that we are meant to share with others. Mm. And so in my early stages of business, I started um, down the path and it's, you know, my own, my own journey. I I can jump into that in a little bit. Um, But I wanted to first, okay, what was societally acceptable? You know, again, just like you mentioned, sometimes people do not want to talk about shame and guilt and and the more disempowering emotions or safety can remain in. Um, So I started, it was more about self-care. It was more about self-love. And all of that is obviously important and a component. And it adapted into um, advancing women in the workplace. That was a a big thing because I came from a professional sports background where I worked in in very male-dominated offices um, and didn't see a whole lot of you know, females in um, uh, higher up positions. So it started as that. And what ultimately happened was I saw that every single human being I worked with, there were these deep-seated patterns of shame and guilt that kept showing up in people's lives. And it didn't matter if, you know, they had the relationship that they always wanted. It didn't matter if they had the economics that they wanted. It didn't matter if they had Um, the various opportunities in a workplace setting, if there was a fundamental part of who they were that felt like they weren't worthy, they didn't belong, they weren't um, good enough, whatever it is, whatever, you know, I, I, the states that I believe shame can lead us to, none of it mattered. And where I saw the most beautiful shift start to occur was when people could start to release all of these, what I believe are false stories that have kept them in these shame patterns. Um, and that was something I witnessed in my own journey. I, I send out uh, a newsletter called Ruthless Tuesdays, where I got a little personal on my one yesterday. So it's a fitting question that you asked in terms of my own journey, um, where for the first time I actually started sharing it. And 
I, despite on the surface, you know, things looked seemingly wonderful. Um, I was on a path to the Nike headquarters. That was my, my end goal. Um, my, I was an athlete. My grades were, you know, all of these things on the surface seemed great. And every single day I woke up feeling incredibly alone and unfulfilled and depressed and like my life didn't matter. Um, and I saw different people, you know, I, I got help, I tried, you know, doing all these things. And it wasn't until, you know, a partner at the time said to me, um, hey, Sarah, I, I know this guy. I, I can't actually even explain what he does, but he saved my friend's life. He changed my life. Just give him a call. And his work started with a full day in person. Um, so terrified. I have no idea what I'm walking into. Uh, I have zero expectations of what's going to happen, but I show up um, and, you know, we, we make a little joke about it, but, you know, I'm expecting this, you know, big, confident, seven foot, boisterous man. And, uh, you know, he's, he's the opposite of what I thought he'd be. Um, he's wearing this silly little Hawaiian shirt. He's wearing khaki shorts. He's wearing whatever. Um, and he looks me in the eyes. And the first thing he says is, how long have you been fooling people with a smile on your face that doesn't reach your eyes? Mm. Wow. And I had gone so long. Again, I, I was even avoiding talking to family of social. I, I was just going through the motion, something that I've learned now and, can, and you know, have, have a name for it. The term passive suicide, not to the point where it's suicidal. It's, it's to the point where, um, you're going through the motions, you're checking off the boxes, but you lack joy in your life. It's, it's the point where you experience the bare or you do the bare minimum to keep yourself moving. And for the first time, I felt seen. And we spent an entire day diving into all of these moments in which I betrayed my sense of self, my sense of self-worth, my own empowerment, um, times when I should... You know, when I said yes, when I should have said no, times when I had been hurt, times when I hurt other people, times when I'd compromised who I was and acted out of feelings of anger or jealousy or fear or whatever. And there was such an inner liberation in that day that that's when things started to shift from my career to the economics to the type of relationships that, you know, I would allow into my life. Um, but all of those were being defined and directed based on the shame that was, I guess, guiding my actions and behaviors before that. And so it was almost a sense of, of freedom and of the inner torment and, I guess, the captivity I was holding myself into. So long-winded way of answering your question. Um, but that is what led me only when I started to experience that inner liberation for myself, um, that's when I realized that all it's, this is what I need to do. This is the medicine that I was meant to serve. Wow. You know, uh, it's, it's interesting because you talked about, um, you know, loving to, to read books and, and bookstores and et cetera. Um, and, and I have the same passion. I, I think a lot of people, when you think of, uh, coaches, um, uh, uh, therapeutic coaches, shame, guilt, et cetera, uh, just to empower people, uh, but just to hold a mirror in front of someone. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we oftentimes get so caught up in academia that we forget that 
academia is fine, but the greatest form of academia is that, listen, I have been there and I can relate, you know, which, which makes you very yeah. authentic and, and, uh, believable. Mm-hmm. Um, c- can you speak to mm-hmm. how, how shame, uh, debilitates, uh, a person's self-confidence and how it impacts oh your choices to make sound and wise decisions. That's good for you. You, it seems like that people lose that confidence and they, you know, they're just basically so indecisive that they can't make a decision. Can you talk about how shame or guilt impacts that? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> say how much time do we have? Hey, um, we, but yes. And, and as I, much time I firmly, as you <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I firmly believe that shame drives every single hurtful, harmful, and violent action and behavior in our world. Mm. Um, world War II was created. World War II began, was initiated because an entire country was in a state of shame of what happened and what was lost in the Versailles Treaty following World War I. Mm-hmm. Millions of people's lives you know, were lost. Um, it leads to sabotaging beautiful relationships. It, it leads to um, decisions of infidelity. It leads to abusive relationships. It leads to um, actually sabotaging potentially economic gains by feeling worthy or deserving of actually promoting your services or asking for what you're actually worth. Again, when, you know, when I was in my early stages of, okay, rah, 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 when advancement in the world got it, um, it wouldn't matter if you actually provided or gift wrapped you know, a, a, a new opportunity to someone, if they don't feel deeply worth it, if they don't fundamentally believe that they're worthy and deserving of goodness coming into their life, we can sabotage, we can actually decline the opportunity. And that's what drives so much. So uh, to make it real, um, uh, an example I have, um, a woman, when she was young, um, she found a letter that her father had written to his, we'll call it a mistress, um, who, you know, essentially sharing, I would have left sooner, but I found out my wife was pregnant at the time. Mm. So I stuck around and I'm so sorry. And so this woman at the ripe young age of seven, eight, nine, whenever she found the letter, um, she has now developed a deep seated belief and understanding that she doesn't, She's not wanted. She doesn't belong. And more than anything, she's actually prevented true happiness and love um, simply by her existence. Mm. So this story now shows up in what she is willing to charge in her business. Um, She starts to sabotage when actual you know, potential business reaches out, she, she actually avoids it because it's just a matter of time before they're going to figure out she's actually not worth, you know, working with, being around for, staying around for. Um, in relationships, um, she is willing to remain in disempowering situations in which a man can make comments um, about her self-worth, about her body, about her capabilities. When she reaches out to me, she's like, how did I get here? That's one of the number one things I hear from clients is how did I get so far off center? 
And we have no idea that it's these incremental little steps that contribute over time that have continued to violate our sense of self or our most empowered state of being. Mm-hmm. And when, when someone's self-esteem, when, when that does not exist, our fundamental power is violated, um, that typically what I have witnessed is that will tend to leak into multiple, if not every arena in our life. It's what drives everything. You know, I think that's a, a perfect segue uh, to talk about sexual shame. Um, you know, mm. especially in, in your line of work. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and, and this this seems <laughs> to be. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, you know, th- th- this seems to be the, the three ton elephant uh, that's in the living room wearing, mm. you know, a Prada shoes that we just see all the time, but just pretend that that it doesn't exist. Um, that, you know, yeah. and the sexual shame that comes from a, a life of promiscuity that could very well be attached to abuse that was uh, unaddressed and but it manifests now uh, in the in the form of promiscuity but now the person have uh, maybe they, they they have sought you uh, as a coach uh, to heal in certain areas of their lives and come to the uh, the place of empowerment but there is still that foreboding dark cloud that hovers over the head that you're not good enough because you've had 10 partners, a hundred partners, and it's that sexual shame. Can you speak to how, mm-hmm. um, how deep that rabbit hole is and how many people actually suffer from that, uh, because of their past mm-hmm. and, uh, that, that that's connected to, uh, any kind of form of abuse that got them on this unfortunate fast track. Mm-hmm. Um, well, uh, the top two areas of shame that I witnessed with women, um, regardless of the age, uh, is finances and sex or intimacy. Um, and, you know, I, I see some of this to an extent with some of the male clients that I work with, but huge with women. And what I have found is um, what it all comes down to is our perception the judgment that we have been, the judgment that we make or the belief system that we uh, essentially were presented or modeled to us by influential people in our life. So I have a woman, she gives me a call. Um, I do things a little different with my clients where I'm kind of a bit of an on-call whenever shame comes up. We nip it in the butt, give me a call, you know, sometimes takes 10 minutes. Wonderful. Woman calls me up one Saturday morning. She's, oh my God, she's whispering. She's like, oh my gosh. You know, and she goes into this downward spiral of, I slept with a guy and you know, she'd been with um, uh, her previous partner for 10 years. She gets, you know, he, he decides to, to move on without her. Um, she goes, I say, okay, well, did you have fun? And she's like, well, yeah, I mean, we danced, we had fun, it was great or whatever. I say, okay, well, what's the problem? Uh, and she said, well, Sarah, I'm, I'm a slut. I'm a whole, oh my God, I wasn't even in a relationship with the guy. And, and so she's consumed by this shame that exists because of what she has been taught or told or has learned is the definition of or whatever disempowering where you want to give for someone who is maybe not open to receiving pleasure in their life. Um, I have another woman who that's her idea of a, of a fun Thursday night. 
You know, she's out there. She, she's learning about all these new positions. She's having the time of her life. Like, oh my gosh, Sarah, you wouldn't believe I just learned about the wheelbarrow. I'm like, whoa, 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 I don't need to know anything. <laughs> but for her, you know, it's, it's safe. She's out front. She has fun. Um, and it's not a judgment. And so what I find is, you know, kind of the, the crux of it all is at what point and what were all of, you know, kind of these layers that build up over time like an onion of this certain belief system that maybe it serves you at one specific time in your life to protect you, but it may no longer, or it may be keeping you in a disempowering state right now. Um, we're incredibly powerful human beings. We have the power to cancel those belief systems. It takes awareness. It takes repetition. It takes, you know, what is actually the state of empowerment that you want to live in? And so what it all boils down to is, identifying where we learned what we learned and if it's no longer serving you if it's um, keeping you again in that shame spiral we start to release it because again it it doesn't matter it's, it's this you know dualistic thing of right versus wrong when you know at what point does someone become the flat is it after one person after two guys is it after three whatever it is it, it doesn't exist it's whatever we perceive to be, and then subsequently chosen to carry the shame associated with that. Mm, absolutely. You know, um, I want to ask you a question about, uh, you know, shame. it seems that, that shame and um, it, it has a twin brother or a twin sister called codependency. And they tend to, they're almost mm -hmm. like uh, Siamese twins. Um in, in your line of work, um, how much of the codependency do you see? And, you know, we, we talked about how uh, how shame can paralyze one from having the self-confidence to even make sound decisions concerning their own lives, as opposed to uh, leaving your decision and your, cho your, your, your decision making and your choices in the hands of someone else concerning your life. Uh, when we talk about codependency, um, have you, have you dealt with that with your clients? And if so, uh, can you tell us a little bit about why codependency is so powerful, um, along with shame? Mm. Um, well, I, I think, and you have this on your website, actually, I think you even say it, um, uh, in one of the commercials at, at the front is we can't control what has happened to us in the past. Um, but what we can control is our responsibility for healing moving forward, something, something to that extent. And so I find that um, with this journey, everything requires personal, personal responsibility. If every single one of us claims our own personal responsibility um, for cleaning up our own past, there's actually no, no problem too big in the world that couldn't be solved if every single person in humanity was cleaning up their own crap. And it starts with that self-responsibility or that personal accountability. Um, and if we have to look to someone else for permission to step into a more empowered state, it is unlikely that we will get there. Absolutely. So, um, and I don't know if that. But I mean, yes, I think that we kind of going in, going back to your question, um, 
there are, you know, what I've witnessed, um, basic human needs that we will cross any boundary to be met. Whether it's love, whether it's to be approved of, whether it's to be validated, accepted, whatever. Um, and so if someone, you know, and I, I see a lot of this sometimes even work with, you know, um, uh, recently a mother-daughter combo because they're both working actively to clean up the generational shame, mm. the lineage of shame that has been passed down. It's a beautiful thing. Mm. And if someone is not healthy or healing from a, you know, mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological, you know, those crises that can exist, then we inadvertently or subsequently it will be manifested externally onto someone else. There will be blame. Um, we can withhold love. We can try to control. We try to have power over as opposed to actually supporting um, our loved ones to step into their own sense of empowerment. So, yes, I, I see that all the time. And, and unfortunately, people who want to go down that journey of healing, it can sometimes come at a cost in which not everyone around you, like you said, people who maybe prefer that codependent relationship or, or gain purpose and fulfillment or maybe having a bit of that control, um, not everyone around you may actually want you to step into a more empowered state. Mm. Absolutely. And, and it seems that, um, uh, just, just coinciding with that, that is, is, uh, is very common to, um, to, to keep people where they are if they are in an empowered state, because now they're just dependent upon you. And, um, Mm -hmm. I always say that, you know, there's big business in keeping people dysfunctional. And unfortunately, I think yeah. that's, that that's true. You know, you, you touched on something as far as yeah. a transgenerational shame, you know, regardless of your zip code, mm -hmm. um, we, we all see this, right? Um, whether you live in Silicon Valley <laughs> or whether you live wherever, um, that, that we see this and, and, and how, how devastating is it and what can people do? when they're under the, the bondage of transgenerational shame of these events happen in our family, but shh, don't tell anybody. And, and, and so there's that you're living with this shame, you know, of, you know, an alcoholic or this happened. And, and, and so you're bound by the secrecy and it's like a, a heavy load on your back. What can people do to break free from that? Mm. Um, and gosh, there, you, you would know there is no one size fits all solution. Right. <laughs> this is a, this is a big one. And yeah, exactly. And, um, I've seen this with, um, partnerships. I've seen this with, um, father, son, mother, daughter relationship. Um, because going back to that sense of empowerment, I've seen this, like I said, I show up in, in two ways. There can be a partner or a significant other, again, that codependent relationship, someone who, actually um, get something and benefit from you remaining disempowered. But there can also be then a risk to the tribal unit. Mm. Um, meaning if someone's sense of safety or self-empowerment could potentially risk the reputation mm -hmm. or cause shame to the tribal unit, whether it's a religious institution, whether it's um, an Olympic team, for example, we've seen, you know, things with gymnasts and, you know, all of these, all of these uh, things that are hidden. 
Um, I've seen this with families um, where someone uh, experienced extreme um, harm and trauma at the hands of uh, their family members. And when they were going to go, when they were saying, okay, I'm going to step into a more empowered state, I need to do something about this. And there's so much shame wrapped up, obviously, in, in that, because regardless, they're still love. It's still the version of the love that you know, um, that you grew up with. So there's guilt, which, you know, is, uh, you know, a, a close little brother of shame, um, and, and also is detrimental to keeping us in um, disempowering situations and circumstances. Um, so there's guilt wrapped up in that, but then there's also um, bringing shame to the family unit. And so I've actually seen people um, loving, you know, family members actually stifle the people or muzzle the people who want to go and seek help because they'd rather sacrifice that individual's empowerment um, or safety rather than causing shame again to the tribal unit, to the family dynamic, to, you know, its reputation. So again, I mean, and, and I see all that just so you can see how big it is. It's not, you know, like we talked about the silver bullet. Um, but if there is, uh, I'll give another example. Um, you know, a, a gentleman, he grew up with a dysfunctional um, or uh, dysfunctional relationship being modeled to him. So him and his siblings witnessed, despite the external world, seeing this loving family, you know, whether it's on social media, whether it's that family, yeah, whatever, um, people revered and respected the father and his family. Um, behind closed doors, he suffered all of this you know, all sorts of abuse, all sorts of pain. Um, and he just, you know, for him, that was what family was. You just sweep things under the rug. It's okay. It's a, and I I am not worthy and deserving of someone. And not only am I not worthy or deserving, I don't even know that it's possible to actually have a healthy, loving relationship. Wow. So it's no surprise that his father also witnessed that. But over several decades, he has been in relationships, and I see this with multiple people, but he has been in relationships in which he is the one at fault. He is the one to blame. Mm -hmm. um, it's okay if someone wants to change or fix them. It's okay because, again, he just has to muscle through things. He has to change who he is as a person because it's not enough. It's all of the beliefs, right? Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, what's shifting is when he starts to um, see different possibility and trust that, okay, I am not something that is broken. There is nothing wrong with me. I'm not a bad person. I don't, you know, nothing needs to be fixed, contrary to what has been told to me in the past. Suddenly, there's a different possibility of a relationship that exists. And so he's willing to trust that he is now worthy and deserving of unconditionally loving relationships, hmm. as opposed to the conditional type of love, which, again, if we aren't healthy internally that has to manifest somewhere and you know that was his experience um to the point now for the first time and one of the the most challenging things is being willing to move into the unknown or willing to believe that something is possible even if you've never experienced it before and that's what that type of unconditional love is and 
So what has happened, all of a sudden, he's in the most beautiful relationship. It took time. It took consistently challenging that narrative that I'm not worthy or deserving of unconditionally loving relationships. Um, con- consistent questioning this belief system about himself that um, he's always the problem. That he needs to be fixed. That he always has to do one more thing in order to be worthy of love. All of a sudden, he, you know, he's in this beautiful world. And I don't want to say all this. All of a sudden, it took time. But the most beautiful thing he said to me was, "Sarah, you're helping me heal generations of shame." And now my son gets to witness an unconditionally loving relationship, rather than what I witnessed. And so I see that with that dynamic, and I see that a lot with, um, you know, whether it's any type of um, eating disorders, bulimia, anorexia, mm-hmm. whatever it is, um, for, you know, 90 plus percent of those girls or women that I work with, they had a mom, whether it's they made subtle comments, whether they had post-it notes up in um, pantries saying, okay, are you sure you want to eat that? One second on your lips, forever on your hip, those sort of comments. You, you, it, it becomes no surprise why someone begins to change and mold and attempt to fix themselves in order for that love and approval, those basic human needs, right? But right. what happens is through their own stepping into a, a greater sense of empowerment, a greater sense of self-love and self-worth, recognizing that they've never actually needed to change anything about them in order to be loved and enough, suddenly there's a healthier version that they can, a healthier love that they can bring to their own daughters. Absolutely. And again, that, that was a, you know, long lineage of, of mothers who kind of passed on. This was my worth. This is my value. I was supposed to look good. I was supposed to be pretty. We understand why that story exists, but that doesn't mean that it's healthy. What is normal, what is societally acceptable mm-hmm. does not mean that it's healthy, obviously. Absolutely. And who's making these rules anyway, um, that, that we're following in society. Yeah. And, you know, you, you kind of yeah. stole my, uh, my, my thunder, but I'm still going to go there anyway. Um, body shaming, you know, <laughs> is basically what you were talking about. Oh. So, you know, you work with uh, a, a lot of young folks and, um, but we like to try to relegate it as being just the young generation, but contrary to popular belief, uh, when you go on Facebook, you see the same type of body shaming that's going on with adults. Mm. So uh, whether it's uh, youngsters oh, yeah. with, I, you know, becoming the next IG model, I, I think that mm. how, how do you, or, or when you work with, uh, you know, young folks and, um, and, and even those who are not classified as being young, but having issues with body shaming and nip tuck, you know, looking like the next Kim Kardashian, let me buy this, let me buy that, slap mm. it on, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. how, how do you help to reframe the thinking? Because it seems like there's some type of reprogramming that needs to take place in order for them to really get yes. to a, a much better place. Can, can you speak to that whole social media body shaming phenomenon that we are in? Mm, um, well, you said it earlier on, there are people that benefit from folks remaining in disempowered state. Mm-hmm. There are multi-billion dollar industries where they exist, where what drives them is relying on and ensuring 
that people remain in disempowered states. That they remain in states of shame, of unworthiness, and lack. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, when, when I start my work with a client, it's, again, it's quite contrary, and we do this all day. Um, and, you know, it's, it's more calls in the early stages, especially as we're, we're shifting these belief systems that some of us have experienced or, or had or held in our mind for, you know, years, decades, sometimes gener- generationally so. Um, and so it's recognizing, you know, when someone wants, when someone says, okay, I, I know the things that I actually need to do in order to change my life or, or in order to feel healthier, or, or I know that I actually don't need to look like Kim Kardashian and I'm enough. Okay, easier said than done. And so what we're up against is just straight will and we don't understand the decades, sometimes, like I said, generations of the layers that have been what I call the layers of self-betrayal that separate us. Um, I know you're, you're a spiritual, there's a, you know, a, a deeply spiritual part about you, about myself. I, I think a lot of people who get into this work um, and at our core essence, right, we're enough. We're, there's no part of us that needs to be changed. It needs to be, we're not broken. We don't need to be fixed. But what has happened is layers and layers and layers over time have built up to where we have betrayed our sense of self or our worthiness, whether it's things that other people have said to us, things that the media have said, things that people have influenced, relationships, coaches, partners, um, family members, parents, whatever. But we we take this on and we get so far to this point that we hit this breaking point. And our society has done a really good job at dealing with the surface level symptoms, right? Okay, well, if if you don't feel good, if you don't look good, okay, get plastic surgery. If you don't feel good, you know, whatever, just take this, you know, we have answers to deal with the surface level symptoms and not the underlying cause of what actually led us to the point where we started to believe that we weren't enough exactly as we are. And I think that very few, again, we have systems, institutions, very powerful people in play that their millions, billions of dollars are dependent on people not having a strong or empowered sense of self. Mm. Um, And we wonder, okay, well, where do these, uh, yes, okay, the media, we know you're bombarded with messages from all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a woman, she's, uh, she feels like she met her soulmate, and she's sitting with, and, you know, they, after however long, okay, they've decided to become intimate, okay. Um, they're lying in bed together after the act, remember, after the act, this is, and <laughs> they, you know, they're holding each other, they're in each other's arms, she looks up at the guy. And he opens his mouth and she's like, oh my gosh, he's going to say these, what the three words that I've just been waiting for. And he says, we got to get you on a program. We got to beefen up this booty of yours. Mm. And something that is maybe subtle to some, some, some people might say, oh my gosh, how dare him. And other people, so many people can relate to a time in which, whether it was a woman, a man, a parent, or whoever, said something that slowly chipped away at their sense of self-worth to the point where we say, okay, well, I must look like 
a Kim Kardashian or I must do something. Well, the big booty is what he wants. Okay, well, you know, and we don't realize that that actually is more of a reflection of, you know, that man's shame, that man's sense of inadequacy. But when we're not dealing with our own internal feeling, cleaning up our own personal history, suddenly someone else's problems, lack of of self-worth, inadequacies, suddenly those problems become ours. Because in that state, you can only blame something external for that lack of connection, love, whatever. Um, again, a, a very kind of well-rounded or, or uh, <laughs> tangent type response to your question. Um, but it, it's coming back to the point of, uh, of recognizing all of those layers that have built up over time. Anyone who goes through uh, a process to fix themselves for someone else can testify, can say that maybe I was met with a, a brief temporary moment of fulfillment before realizing it wasn't the solution. And I'm not making it wrong. It's all the power to the people, whatever they want to do. Um, but it's a recognition, it's a ro- arriving, an arrival at a place in which you realize that you are the only person that your sense of self-love and your sense of self-worth, um, you're the only person that can actually meet those needs for it to be lasting and sustaining. Absolutely. And, and it comes down to... I don't to, know if I answered your question. Yes, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It really comes down to self. <laughs> I mean, self, self-identity. I, I think you really hit the nail on the head. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's so much. I, I really want to have you back on the show because I, I think that we can definitely uh, mm-hmm. go deeper because it, it, there's so many different layers, uh, many different layers to yes. this. And, um, and and I know that this is beneficial for the listeners, uh, definitely beneficial for me in this particular line of business where shame is not as taboo as you think, uh, except for those who mm-hmm. just w- want to sweep it under the rug. But um I know that you have you have clients worldwide. It, it, please give your information out to those who would like to contact you. If you have any books out there, any manuscripts, um, if they would like to set up a group session, one on one session, how do they do that? Yeah, thanks, Ronald. So, um, if anyone is interested in my work, uh, my website is Um I have, like I said, a very contrarian approach. Uh, to working with individuals. So if they are interested in exploring that, there's um, a deeply personal uh, questionnaire. It scares, you know, 50% of the people away right off the bat. But if if anyone is interested, there's a questionnaire there and it it actually has people diving into and becoming aware um, of just how many um, situations or moment in time in which our sense of self or or our sense of empowerment um, has been violated. Um, so again, that's, that's, uh, the way that people can work with me. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Sarah Dalajanes, uh, Facebook as well. It's the same. Um, but yeah, I, most people don't know how to spell my name, but I assume they'll see it in the title, show notes, whatever. Yes, I'm going to definitely add that to the tag. So uh, don't worry about that. (laughs) Yes, we're going to have that out there. So you won't misspell a name. Uh, So Sarah, uh, (laughs) Sarah Lajeunesse, thank you so much for being a shame healer. Uh, We need more Mm -hmm. of you in the world. We we need to clone you and, um, you know, just send you from, 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 
corner to corner of the earth uh, to, to really do a work uh, in the lives of, of people. And we definitely have to have you back. Uh, I know you have a busy schedule, but we thank you so much for stopping by the Shame Free Life studio. And um, uh, thank you so much for having me, Ronald. Absolutely. There you have it, uh, Sarah Lajeunesse. And uh, again, living life without shame, living the shame free life and uh, definitely get in contact with her, uh, get her literature, book a session. Uh, This is an investment in your life because your life begins when you say so. Until next time. Thank you for joining us on the Shame Free Life Radio Show. For 15 minutes of shame, follow us on IG and Twitter at Shame Free Life. For information on promoting your business with us, contact us at theshamefreelife at gmail.com. Until next time, your life begins when you say so.